real thinker what do you call a writer who doesn't follow the rules of sentence structure uh, i don't know it's too early for me to think on this one steve he's a rebel without a clause oh welcome boys and girls to a motherfucking mini show of halloween is forever i'm brian I'm Steve, the king of the podcast. <laughs> you just had a just an absolute level of disdain for that one. Just disappointment, pure disappointment in your eyes. Yeah, not my best did, work, but you know, it didn't hit me. I didn't love it. Nah, didn't land. Didn't land. That's all right. Can't win them all. Um, we're here with another son of a bitch in Minnesota. And this is going to be a really funny, really fun. Um, hopefully, slightly funny, but a very fun format here. We're going to talk just generally. Uh, about Stephen King, uh, one of my favorite authors. Steve, how, how, how's your how's your uh, uh, where's your where's your your King knowledge lie? Where, what's your affinity for Stephen King and his books and film adaptations? I grew up on Stephen King and Mark Twain. Mm. So yeah, like I read. Uh, aside from those two, and I would say Michael Crichton. That's yeah, yeah. what I read the most as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I stopped being able to read. So mm. I just stopped reading. <laughs> you just you just lost the ability to read. Yeah. Yeah. Just I don't know what it was. Just as I grew older, just reading made me sleepy all the time and words ran okay. together. And I just yeah, I think it was an undiagnosed like learning disability. <laughs> sure. Sure. We gotta love those. Love yeah. a good undiagnosed learning disability. Yeah, I definitely went through a, 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 you know, I was a big reader as a, as a youngin, as a young boy, um, back in, you know, f- oh boy, whatever, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, pretty much in the prime Goosebumps era. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was a big into the Goosebumps. I read every one of those sons of bitches, um, and then really, you know, through like junior high and the early part of high school, just stopped reading, I think, altogether unless I absolutely had to. But I was always in like that was the thing I was good at. Like I wasn't, you know, a, a great math student. Uh, I wasn't in like AP history or anything, but I was always in AP English classes or writing classes. because mm-hmm. was, That was the thing I was good at. So I had to write a, read a lot of stuff for school. And I think that made me not like reading. Like I think we've mentioned on the podcast before. And if I didn't, I'm just imagining that I mentioned it. But I was part of like a first time program in I want to say seventh grade or sixth grade where they took like the the AP, you know, English kids and took us over to the high school. And we spent an entire year, not just like a semester, entire year studying and reading books uh, about the Holocaust. Ah. And then we went to the net. All the, it was like a whole Holocaust focused year of of english and literature and it was so depressing and horrible and i hated it so much i had to read like you know all all of these holocaust books i absolutely hated it um and i honestly think it turned me off reading (laughs) for a few years um pretty that's pretty rough to be focused on the holocaust like oh yeah i know i know i read night by uh ely white that one was brutal we read that 
yeah, like I know that, but that was just part of my general AP English. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, like a full course. So it's like, I know we read night and I think at some point, uh, the boy in his striped pajamas, that's a, yeah, that, that was, I mean, there was a movie, but that was also based on a book, right? Yes. So, yeah. I yeah. believe it was. Yeah. So I, I believe I read that as well, but yeah, oh, I, man. a, uh, yeah, that's a that is a lot for uh, it was yeah for it, like it a, was not even a, not even not even a high schooler to take in. No, we were in sixth grade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was weird because and now now that I come to think of it, we didn't just like we we did like probably three quarters of the year on the Holocaust, but we started out reading. Um, I remember we read. Uh, um, oh my God, what's what's the. Uh, the book with the 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 uh, Lord of the Flies. We oh, read okay. Lord of the Flies, which was yeah. heavy for a sixth for a sixth grader. But mm. I remember enjoying that. And we read a couple other things, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." And then, fuck you, Holocaust for the rest of the year. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I actually I uh, dated a girl in high school for uh, for a big chunk of high school that was really into Stephen King. And then that got me a little bit more into Stephen King. And then I got uh, more into, uh, you know, back into reading horror and sci-fi and weird fiction, speculative fiction in, in college. But, um, yeah, Stephen King has always been one that kind of floated around. Like I said, the a person I dated in high school, she was like obsessed with Stephen King. She mm. knew every, all everything Stephen King. So I, that's what got me into a lot of the short stories and stuff. So, um, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about some Stephen King. Uh, we'll talk about some of the books, but but you know we'll focus a, I, probably disproportionately because we do mostly talk about them spooky movies and TV shows and that sort of media. So we'll we'll talk about some of the film adaptations and TV adaptations and that sort of good stuff um, today. And also, your boy. So this is what spurred this. Your boy just got back from Maine, so I just went on a little vacay with the fam uh, up to Maine. We actually uh, stayed in in Bahaba, Maine, and uh, mostly spent time in uh, Acadia, uh, you know, stumbling around the woods and things like that. But um, uh, my brother and my dad and I actually went uh, on a day trip to Bangor, a.k.a. Uh, Derry. Um, I, I, I think Castle Rock is basically banger too i don't know um but uh <laughs> you know it's stephen king made up land that's where he right. uh grew up and um and uh and and spent a lot of his early years writing and and still spends time now and that's where you know the king houses and all that stuff in banger maine um so we did a little uh like bus tour um of banger maine that was Stephen, you know, Stephen King tour, which was was really fun. So we'll talk about that a little bit here. But before we get into all that some bitch and nonsense, um, we got a couple of things we got to do at the top of the show. First of all, let's do beers first. You got a little beer over there you're drinking on? Oh, I got a beer. And it's yeah. time for you to check your watch because it's gloop glop o'clock. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my uh, God, Steve. That <laughs> looks like Ovaltine that you took a shit in. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> That looks yucky. <laughs> that looks nothing like beer, that's for sure. No, it doesn't. Uh, Can you hold is... it up and I guess what flavors are in it? Yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. Take right. a guess. Let me see that ugly bitch again. <laughs> uh... Oh, my God. It's so thick and chunky. Is it banana? No bananas. Okay, because it's so chunky. I assumed it was banana. Um, I don't know. It looks like... 
in Austin Powers when he drinks the diarrhea and says, oh, it's a little nutty because he thinks it's coffee. It yeah. literally looks like that. Yeah, it is very unfortunate on yeah like just the way it came like there's so much solid glue glob shit Ugh. yeah what is it tell me about it i don't i don't know if i want to know but i'm morbidly curious now it is from abjuration brewing okay it is a sour ale root beer slushy oh no sour van- too yeah with vanilla soft serve and milk sugar it's root beer. So it's like a root beer float. Yeah. Yeah. It's the root beer float. Fuck. I love a root beer float. Mm-hmm. Love a root beer float. And uh, and and they have some yummy ass root beer and, and like a lot of local craft sodies, sody pops up there in Maine, which I sampled an assortment of were up there. Uh, had some great root beer. But again, that that make that looks more like diarrhea. Uh, diarrhea yeah. float. Yeah, it looks more like diarrhea. I I will admit this is a rare miss for abjuration hmm. because like they even have a root beer soda sour yeah. that like is, it's just the root beer flavor and the beer is clear. It It's mm-hmm. not all like glooped up with the lactose and shit. Mm-hmm. Like when I putting the ice cream in this didn't do it any flavor or like any favors at all. Yeah. And it comes off like more sour and you lose like the root beer flavor. Yeah, this one isn't my favorite. I was like, I was excited for it because I do actually love like just their normal soda sour root beer. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It tastes just like root beer. It doesn't have like this unappealing look to it like this does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. They, yeah, a rare, a rare miss. I mean, it's okay. I'm going to still drink it, but it's not, not my favorite. It looks absolutely um, horseshit. Um, but they, they do have a, a speaking of root beer floats, um, I forgot to bring some home. I should have. I'm stupid. But um, they have a, a company, uh, a soda company um, up in uh, in Maine called Old Soaker um, okay. that does a blueberry soda that is everywhere. Ooh. Um, and it's freaking delicious. And they do blueberry soda floats. And then they do root beer once well. They have a really good root beer as well. It's not like yeah. I wouldn't call it as good as Sprecher. Uh, uh-huh. But it's really good. Um, it's a little lighter. It's not as like Sprecher is like syrupy almost, you know, yeah. which is so thick. It's almost like a root beer float in and of itself. But it's really, really tasty. Um, but yeah, you you just ruined root beer for for my whole life. So thanks. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I'm going opposite. I'm going straight up beer. I'm going real ass old school beer. And there's a reason why I picked this one. One, because I grabbed the 12 pack of it. I haven't had it in years when I was in Maine. Um, and it is uh, it is Geary Brewing Company Original Pale Ale. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And probably if you live in Western PA, Ohio, you might not have seen this for a long time. I know we used to buy Geary uh, London Porter as well as the Pale Ale probably at uh, Vintage mm-hmm. way back in the day. I don't think they distribute that far anymore. I think they're mostly just Maine at this point, um, but they do a lot of really and they of course they have like a hazy and that sort of stuff now, but they were known for one being um, the first craft brewery in Maine, like post prohibition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe the first east of the Mississippi, I think they started in like 86, uh, which would put yeah. them right in that wheelhouse for for the first uh, craft brewery in the East Coast post prohibition. Um and uh, 
I, I, I looked it up for this because I was curious. They they hold craft brewing license number 13 uh, oh, in cool. the United States. <laughs> so they are very, very early on. Obviously, they were after the Sierras and the uh, New Albions of the world and some of those guys on the West Coast. But as far as the East yeah. Coast is concerned, and of course, as you might imagine, being from from Maine, from the East Coast, but especially up north, uh, very English focused. Um, so really, really classic. Uh, I, I would call this like a strong, strong bitter or even, you know, or some people refer to it as an ESB. Um, it is, you know, a little over 5%, which is pretty strong for an English pale ale, but, you know, moderate ABV, but very Burton-esque, like very central, you know, English Midlands classic, you know, assertively bitter. I think I looked it up. It was only 38 IBUs, but it's aggressively bitter because I'm sure they burtonize the, you know, super hard, um, uh, uh, you know, high carbonate water and um, and just like a lot of just like kind of biscuity English malt, you know, English hop character, just very classic English style pale ale. Um, the other reason why I picked this up is uh, Matt Geary, whose parents started Geary Brewing Company, a former co-worker and 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 friend of mine ex- excellent guys one of the nicest guys you ever meet um he uh his parents started gary brewing company 86 when he was you know a, a very very wee lad um his dad uh david geary actually regrettably passed away last month um mm. and he is a pioneer of craft brewing in not only new england but but you know uh, nationally you know he's one, one of the pioneers of craft brewing so uh, thought I'd grab a, uh, because I can't get this here, grabbed a 12 pack of Geary's Pale Ale, went through most of them while I was on vacation and uh, saved myself a couple for for this and, you know, raise a glass to uh, uh, to Mr. Geary. I, never, I don't believe I ever met uh, uh, Matt's dad, but, uh, you know, if he was anything like Matt, he's a, a lovely guy. I know he's very well liked and loved and respected across the craft beer industry. So, um yeah. Uh, cheers to, to, to Dave, David Geary. But um, uh, also just a, a lovely beer. If you love like super classic English styles, like they nail them like as <laughs> as unsexy as you can imagine. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> just just right down, the uh, you know, uh, super authentic Burton style ale. So, yeah, I will say, though, because I've had it, they also do make a really good blueberry ale. They do that. Yeah. Everyone has blueberry beer up there. Holy shit. It's weird because the the tap lists up there, you know, obviously we were on vacation. We, we stayed in bar Harbor, which is, you know, very touristy little town there. And, um, bar Harbor blueberry ale was one I used to drink way back in the day, which I don't know if that still exists. I didn't see it anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but you, there were a hundred other ones. I mean, every place you went in had at least one blueberry ale on tap, certainly, especially in the summertime. Um, but the other thing you saw a ton of, yeah, you saw IPAs, you saw hazies, things like that you would expect, but uh, very little in the way of of lager. Mm-hmm. I did have a really great one. I think it was called Mechanic Pills, a, ch- a really great Czech pills from a local spot up there. But boy, howdy, they get behind the brown ales up there. Like, oh, yeah, uh, that makes sense. There is yeah. just brown ales fucking everywhere. Nut brown. Like you're lucky if you see one or two, you know on tap in the course of a year at, you know, a good craft beer bar <laughs> around here, but everywhere up there, it's like, it's a, it's a staple. You're going to see a brown ale on tap at every place that has like any decent craft beer, you know, lineup draft lineup. 
Yeah. So I, I was I getting, have a brown getting down on him. <laughs> yeah, you fucking do. You have fucking brown out ale. Diarrhea. Ale. <laughs> um, all right. So we got the beers out of the way. Excuse me if I'm a little uh, hoarse on this one. I'm getting over a hell of a nasty cold. So I'll try not to cough it directly into the microphone. But, uh, and I'll try not to crunch my Hall's uh, 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 lemon, uh, honey lemon cough drops either. Um, let's do a couple other things. First of all, uh, as we discussed last time, um, uh, we have our, uh, showdown episode coming up here real damn quick. Um, so next episode will be our showdown. Uh, tell, tell, tell the folks about what's uh, going down with this here showdown, Steve. Yeah. So we got September showdown coming up and we got a guest and our guest is going to be from the recently resurrected decaying with the boys podcast hell yeah uh if you guys don't know who, who or what that is that's uh our buddies matt and adam they are adam is the he's like a home brewer close to being a you know a a, a big brewer mm-hmm. whenever he wants to make that jump mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah he's a does his home brews as bash brew and then him and his helper buddy matt they started a podcast to do something during brew days and basically they sit around and talk about ufc wrestling you know, <laughs> whatever whatever else comes across their uh you know table that they want to talk about we're going back to the jojatorium guys uh mm-hmm. with the decay decaying with with the boys crew uh matt's going to join us like steve said and the topic for the showdown episode for september y'all picked it it is 80s slasher one hit wonders so for those of you who are new to the podcast, because we do get a whole dang shitload of new listeners this time of year, um, as always, uh, fuck you. You're a bandwagon fan. You should feel bad about yourself. But also, we're pleased to have you. Um, here's how this goes. We deliver you some hot, steamy, greasy content every monday here on interwebs in the form of a podcast episode uh, but once a month the first monday in the month we do a showdown episode which means it's steve it's your boy and then we get a, a, a guest um from you know who knows it could be anybody um we get a guest on the podcast um and we have selected by that point three uh, t- potential topics from our big old ever changing, ever evolving wheel of s- spinny wheel of topics. We spin it three times. We get three topics. Usually they're like a subgenre uh, of horror or they're, uh, you know, it's a particular director or performer or whatever. Right. And um, we put those three potential topics out on the social medias. If you follow us uh, at Halloween is forever uh, on um, Instagram or at Hallow forever on Twitter, you can vote uh, on what of those three topics you want to see for the following month. We're also on the ticky talkies and, and, and the threads and all that sort of stuff. Um, and by the way, if you want to send us potential topics to add to the wheel, you can DM us or comment or do whatever the hell you want on any of those social medias. Or it's a Halloween is forever pod at gmail.com. You can also do it that way. We actually have an upcoming guest. I reached out to us recently on the, the emails. Actually, we've been getting a, quite a few emails lately, which is weird. I think it's because I finally started mentioning that we have a fucking email address again. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't mean I'm good at, at uh, checking it. Usually Steve is way more diligent at that than I am. But feel free. Uh, we, we will uh, we will respond. 
Um, but if you have a potential topic to add to the wheel or whatever, send it to us that way. This time around, we had three, but one reigned supreme as it as it is apt to do. In this instance, like I said, it was slasher, 80 slasher, one hit wonders. So that would be an 80 slasher film that didn't really get a lot of attention past that initial film. So it didn't turn into a big you know, franchise didn't have any sequels, you know, probably didn't see anything in the form of remakes or anything like that. So um, that said, we now each pick a movie that's associated with that topic. Uh, and then on the showdown episode, we argue about it. Uh, we, we, you know, somebody's getting a Northern Lights suplex. Somebody's probably getting put in the Boston Crab or something like that. Eventually, we vote one uh, either Steve, myself, or the guest will uh, take home that son of a bitchin' championship belt, that strap, the throw over the shoulder, that shoulder candy for the entire damn month. Unfortunately, last month, uh, Anthony, uh, our our guest, big tone dog from the uh, they call that a movie <laughs> podcast. I don't think he's a. I don't think he is necessarily uh, embraced big tone dog. As a as a uh, as a nickname that I've been trying to really push push out there, it has I don't think he's really using that in his everyday life. But he did take home that son of a bitch and strap from us. Um, so I'll, I'll this, tell you, I tell you what, Brian. If mm-hmm. I ever invent time travel, mm-hmm. I'll make sure to go back to when we were in college mm-hmm. and start calling him Big Tone Dog in college. Yeah, yeah. that way, you know, that it's, way it'll start sinking chance. in. Yeah, better yeah. chance of sticking. If it happens in college now, he's like, oh, I'm a grown up. I don't go by stupid <laughs> nicknames. Well, <laughs> I'm going to keep pushing it. I'm going to push it as hard as, 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 as my little fingies can. So this time around, uh, we have uh, uh, Matt instead of Tone, instead of the big Tone dog. And Matt uh, from the Decaying with the Boys podcast has already selected his topic. Or I'm sorry, his film. We uh, typically... Uh, we're relatively new to, to to the whole guest thing. We typically let the guests kind of pick theirs first, right? Um, yeah. And then after that, I guess the question becomes, which one of us gets to pick next? I have one more recently. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know if that needs to be <laughs> the determining factor. Um, although I will go as far as to admit that I did kind of drop the ball last episode. Like I kind of handed big tone dog the the strap um so i do take responsibility for that um and i also picked an m night Shyamalan movie which again i i might have been self-sabotaging there i'm not entirely sure what was going through my brain yeah i don't know i don't know what you're thinking yeah i really (laughs) dropped the ball on that one any case matt's pick uh he has informed us for uh 80s slasher one hit wonders shocker from 1989 um the the Clive Barker epic uh, with just some wonderful quips. Um, you know, I kind of, uh, uh, you know, before we start recording, Steve and I were chatting and he told me what Matt's pick was. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, not that much of a slasher. And he was like, well, Freddy's a slasher, you know, Shocker is a slasher. And I was like, this is actually alarmingly similar to Freddy. I kind of feel stupid yeah. that I've not realized how Freddy like this is in the past. I've maybe only seen Shocker once or twice. Um, which I mean, you yeah. which which you said you said Clive Barker, but you meant Wes Craven. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, I said Clive Barker as I'm currently reading Books of Blood. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said Clive Barker. It's sitting <laughs> by my feet right now. 
yeah but i mean that's I mean, so like it's kind of a hallmark of what Wes craven was doing in the 80s of like yep. making a supernatural slasher yep which yeah, is, yeah which oh it, it always starts with somebody who was uh like a bad guy a mm-hmm. human and is transformed into something worse yeah so like who, freddie gets human bad guy and, now becomes ghost bad guy or something yeah right yeah. <laughs> or electric bad guy but, <laughs> in um, this case yeah, so that, that'll be an interesting right right this will be an interesting uh watch i have not seen it in years i know i feel like people have started to look upon shocker in a more favorable light in recent years like there's mm-hmm. been a lot of nostalgia that's come up around it uh i'm also interested always interested to see when we have these like decade type picks where our picks fall because this is right at the end of the 80s and honestly if you would have said when did shocker come out i would have probably said like 91 like i think of this as a 90s movie i don't Same. know why uh, but it is yep. 89, so it's right at the end. Um, yep, yep. Mine, I'll give you a little spoiler here. And, I, and and Steve, I think it is only fair that you pick next because, like I said, I really just fucked us pretty hard last time around. I really let the team down. <laughs> um, all three of my picks that I'm considering, uh, which I do have in order. Actually, I have one that I want to do for sure. If you happen to pick it, which I don't think you will, but you could then I have two other ones to fall back on are all early eighties mm. and mm. have a very different feel than shocker in that way. So mm. interesting to see what, what, what are you thinking about there, Steven? So I have one that's from early eighties. That is, it's unlike anything, but I'm also worried that'll get me in trouble. I would have say to all lo- three of mine are bold choices, which may again yeah. be self-sabotage, but <laughs> I'll, I'll have to do like a lot of defending if I mm-hmm. pick one. The other one is late 80s, but it's not it's not American. So it doesn't come off as late 80s American. Well, one of mine is is a is a co-production uh, that is not doesn't feel particularly American. And actually, I think uh, one of my other ones is Canadian. So, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> out of the box picks over here. We'll see. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. I, like, I almost want to just flip a coin on. I'm, ju- I'm just going to flip a coin. Let's do it. Because I like because I think I like both films and they're both fucking weird and crazy. Yeah. So give I'll tell the, you what the picks. Give it the Anton Sugar treatment over here. Yeah. So I'll tell I'll tell you what the picks are before mm-hmm. I flip the coin. Yeah. So I'm gonna make heads, 1987's opera, Ooh. by Dario Argento. Yeah, I I I like that movie. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, it's Argento. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's Argento. It's one of his better ones. It is. It so, is. Yeah. And then tails. I'm gonna make 1983's angst. Ooh. Okay. I feel like I've seen angst. I've certainly seen a cut. Is angst? uh isn't there a german movie named angst yeah it's it's austrian austrian okay that's what i'm thinking of yeah yeah Yeah. but it 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 is it's it's oh this is that one okay yeah this is that one the austrian movie okay yeah gotcha i was gonna say i I thought this was a i have seen this before but i remember it being german austrian whatever it's it's the most visually arresting i think even more so than uh opera but Mm. which is a you know bold <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah we'll see we'll see what we get Uh-oh, heads i'm going heads. opera 
you're going opera. I like that. I haven't going seen it in opera. a long time. I, I'm not like the most diehard Argento fan ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, outside of the, his, his really big movies. I, I don't get me wrong. He's fantastic. He's a, he's a master of the craft. But like opera, I remember feeling like that one was a little bit more grounded <laughs> than some of his yeah. other ones, um, yeah. which is not saying much, you know, but I'm interested <laughs> to rewatch that one. It's like when he's on, he's on. Mm-hmm. And then when he's off, he's like dog on a shit. different planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I watched I watched his uh, newest film that came out last year, two years ago or so. Mm. Uh, Dark Glasses. Okay, it's okay. I, it's okay. It. Yeah, like it, it. It's definitely nowhere near his best, but it's also nowhere near his worst. It's just kind of like a thing that, like, if you need a fix, yeah, it'll get you through. Yeah, opera is you said eighty seven, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that gives me my first pick to go with, uh, which is uh, I, you know, a polarizing movie um, and and not by any means uh, a, you know, stereotypical American slasher. You know, I had a couple I I had Madman on there. You know, I had some other Mm -hmm. ones on there that are more kind of quintessential you know, North American uh, uh, camp slashers type of thing. But I feel like we've done so many camp slashers um, that I I went in a little (laughs) different direction here with actually all of my picks. I'll tell you the ones I didn't pick first. Um, I had uh, 81's Strange Behavior slash Dead Kids. Okay. uh, Which is a really weird, haunting movie that feels like it's grimy and like oddly realistic. Not as grimy as the one I am going to pick. Um, and then one that I just saw for the first time that I really liked um, called Death Screams. And that's plural. There's a movie from the <laughs> 70s, which is more like a, a police thriller procedural. I think it is kind of thing called Death Scream. This is Death Screams, plural from 1982. But instead, I'm going to go with uh, another 1982 film. Uh, again, a uh, uh, I, b- I believe it's a Spanish American co-production, Pieces. Oh. Um, if you've ever seen Pieces, it is batshit bonkers, yeah. um, disturbing, extremely bloody, silly, goofy at some points, uh, haunting at some points. It is a absolute tonal uh roller coaster <laughs> in a fun way as far as i'm concerned uh which i am gonna is gonna require some some defending um and my favorite part about it is um sp- like spanish actors trying to pretend like they're boston cops is hilarious to me. yeah um <laughs> it's so not boston being have i just spent two nights in boston um, and uh, the least Boston people you've ever seen in your life in this movie, but it's bonkers and really fun. And if you haven't seen Pieces, um, you, you got to check it out. Do and they, it's a tight 125 or uh, hour 25. Yeah. Do they pronounce it yeah. Mathututheth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might as well be that bad. I mean, there's a lot of voiceover, as you might expect. For sure. Um, but it's really, really fun. Have you seen pieces before? It's, it's back, back in my mind. So it's been years since I have. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm surprised I didn't even consider that one when I was looking though. Um, I was wearing my pieces t-shirt while in Boston yeah. and that made me make up my mind because I got a lot of questions, right. uh, about it. Like what is pieces? And I'm like, <laughs> 
do you, are you familiar with Tubi, my friend? <laughs> have you drank of the sacred uh, liquid that is Tubi? I'll tell. I'll tell you. Um, there so were, I did. There yeah. was one that's actually very similar to that in production. Mm-hmm. Of uh, I om- I was considering New York Ripper. By, oh, great one! Yeah, by Lucio Fulci, and it's you know Lucio Fulci making a movie in New York, so yeah. a lot of the similar things. But the the fucking duck voice killer, I can't, I couldn't defend it. Like it's it's weird. I think it's cool. It is very weird. You're gonna get your Fulci eyeball stuff if you don't like eyeball stuff. <laughs> Isn't that the one where he does the razor blade eye thing? He does like he does a lot of tit stabbing. He does just he does it all. <laughs> Fulci loves to fuck with eyes. Obviously, zombie. Uh, and then I think that one is the one where he does the like cut straight down someone's face and they don't close their eye. Yeah. And he just cuts along their eyeball. He loves fucking up people's eyes. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I like that movie actually. All right. So just to recap here on what our September showdown films are going to be, so you can go out there and watch them. Matt is going to talk about Shocker 1989. Uh, from Wes Craven. Uh, Dario Dario Argenta's opera from 1987 is going to be Steve's pick. And then I'm going to do 1982's pieces by, I'm going to mispronounce his his name. It's uh, Juan Piquer-Simon, I think is how you say it, Piquer. Um, yeah, don't yeah. know anything else about the, by this director. Uh, I don't know if he directed anything else significant. Uh, oh, he directed Slugs. I didn't oh, know that. Okay. Uh, the Rift, Slugs, Super Sonic Man from 1979. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, he actually had 15 director credits. Pretty interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, many of which are, are Spanish. Uh, so that's probably why, especially in his later career, wouldn't have saw many of those things. Mystery on Monster Island. I don't know. I like that idea. I like that thought as well. The Mansion anyway, of the so Cthulhu, what, though. That sounds fun. Mansion of the Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, so some some Lovecraftian things uh, in a haunted house. Uh, sure, those giant old gods. You know how they like to settle in to uh, you know sit there and sip cups of tea in old houses in their in their <laughs> latter <laughs> millennia. That movie came after Pieces, so he was probably inspired by all the uh, you know all the lore <laughs> when yeah. he was filming in Boston. <laughs> yeah, that could be the case. I mean. Pieces is bonkers. I'm excited for you guys to watch it. I'm I'm excited to uh, to discuss it. It is just batshit. There's one scene that honestly is one of my favorite scenes of all time. There's a lot of bonkers stuff in here. There's peep. There's a lot of hiding a chainsaw behind your back. Get ready for that. <laughs> um, all right, guys. That's gonna be our showdown. Uh, those will be our showdown movies for September. Um, before we get into this discussion, I, I want to remind y'all we got a Patreon as well uh so check us out over on patreon.com forward slash halloween is forever steve why don't you why don't you tell the folks especially some of our new listeners uh what we got cooking over there on the patreon because it's pretty fun yeah over on patreon we got two tiers we got our scamps tier which is three dollars scam, 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 scam. that gets you all the fun things of like uh ad free episodes because we'll be adding ads soon we have a new mm-hmm. sponsor coming soon but you know on patreon mm-hmm. you don't have to listen to that shit you, you can don't have bypass. to you don't have to you don't we don't tell you what to do yeah bypass you also yeah. get an extra vote in that in that wonderful poll every month mm-hmm. you get reviews that i do write-ups on 
of things that mm-hmm. like you know probably don't make the show or definitely won't make the show like i put up a review for resident evil death island uh you know it's 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 a fun little cartoon show but you know we ain't i don't think that'll ever make this (laughs) probably not unless we do specifically resident evil cartoons at some point or just or just the resident evil wheel in general because like that could happen there's like six there's there's like six of the live action films and then there's fucking probably maybe six more animated films i think i didn't know there were any animated yeah yeah they're uh, all computer animated too so it's like of varying degrees of good (laughs) i can imagine i can imagine (laughs) yeah but yeah so you get all that stuff but then the other tier the rascal tier rascal rascal rascal. maybe instead of doing the echo can maybe you just do a a long one of just rascal okay that's better yeah rascal (laughs) but on the rascal tier that's where like you get all that bombs. exactly yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah that's where you get all the stuff i just mentioned you get on the discord so you can watch brian you know cough and just lay mm-hmm. in the sun and try not to die Finger his belly button yeah right <laughs> try not to die during episodes <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can see his cool bowling shirt <laughs> sims lanes guys come on yeah you know when i bought this you want to hear this quick story about why i bought the sims lane shirt I wore my Garfield outfit to Sims Lanes one time, and I was too hot and I was uh, overheating. So I bought a T-shirt, <laughs> my Garfield <laughs> suit, while I was bowling anymore. Just like as one does. There you go. Now everybody knows yep. the story, but only the rascals can see the shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm, true. Yep. But on top of all that, you get the monthly exclusive podcast. Family is forever. Family is forever, <laughs> which sounds a lot creepier when you do it that way. But it's yeah. it's simply our monthly Fast and the Furious franchise watch. Oh, it sucks so bad. Not the podcast, the franchise. Yeah, the movies um, are bad. <laughs> the franchise, is, I mean, the, the podcast, we're about to do our second episode. We just started it last month. We're about to jump into uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, and I'm excited not to watch the movie because I'm sure it sucks ass, but to talk about how much it sucks ass is, is very fun. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's all goof ups on that episode. You're not going to hear mm-hmm. any kind of arty knowledge or any shit like that. It's like nope. when we, I'm sure when we talk about pieces and opera, we're going to have, we're going to put like actual history and knowledge and research thoughtful into it. Thoughtful critique. Yeah. yeah. Thoughtful critique and, you know, praise for these wonderful movies. That's not what's happening here. If you no. listen to the Children of the Corn 2020 episode, that's what happens <laughs> on the Family is Forever episodes. <laughs> yeah, or or that weird uh, Indian Freddy ripoff. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. If you like those episodes, then the Family is Forever episodes are for you. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so go on over there to the ha- uh, patreon.com forward slash Halloween's Forever. Give us a couple of those paper dollars. Don't be stingy. Don't be assholes about it. Give us your money. Um, and then you get all that fun stuff. Um, and, uh, and you know what? Also we'll, we'll send you some, some stickers and stuff like that in the mail. We'll do that sort of stuff for you as well. So, and also if you want some stickers and let's say you ain't got the three bucks or the $5 a month to, to, to support your boys. First of all, bullshit. Give us your money. It's what are you going to spend it on? Uh, 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 medicine Mm -mm. food for your family. Fuck that. Um, 
but if if you don't if you don't want to invest in that way, we totally understand. Uh, go over onto one of you, whatever podcatcher, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. Take yourself ten seconds, do a five star review, whatever the maximum number of reviews are, and say. I like them big beefy boys over there on Halloween's Forever podcast. Write a little, write a little phrase. Could be one sentence like that. It means a lot for us, especially going into the spooky season. That's where we get a bunch of tons of new listeners, uh, and we're excited to uh, uh, to to be to be uh, you know slinking on in, slippery sliding on into the spooky season here. Uh, I haven't got out any uh, Halloween decorations yet, although my office is already uh, like that year round, but. Um, I have gone through a box each of Count Chocula, Boo Berry, mm-hmm. and Frankenberry. Mm-hmm. I have not tried the new Carmella Creeper yet. Oh. I have a, f- a, s- a friend who has secured a box for me, but I have not sampled it yet. And I have not had the new Monster Mash remix yet. Oh. Uh, but I'm get- I'm starting to ease into the spooky season. Just mm, I-, I actually uh, 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 put down a bag of candy corn yesterday. <laughs> so, you know what give it a give give it a week let's just get into september oh you I'm mean you mean you set it down not that oh, you you mean not put it down in my belly no, <laughs> yeah. no 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 i picked it up was about to put it in my cart at the at, at the giant eagle yeah actually did put it down i was very proud of myself uh for for uh for just just put it off for another week then i'll get into it um, but spooky season will quickly be upon us and we're going to get into a lot of spooky season shit, uh, here, uh, soon as well. Okie dokie. Let's get into this, uh, this Stephen King business. Um, first of all, um, let's talk about, I'd like to talk about some of our favorite, uh, uh, book, uh, slash story and film slash TV adaptations of said stories, uh, and then uh, and then we'll get into a little bit about this this tour that I went on, which was really fun. Um, do you remember what the first Stephen King book or story you read was and what the first Stephen King, you know, inspired or or, or screen adaptation of it was? Do you happen to recall? So I think I remember I remember the first book uh, being Cujo. Mm, okay because i i rented rented checked out i don't know what you call it like libraries are such a fucking mystery to us anymore but <laughs> yeah, yeah but yeah I, I checked out cujo um from the same library that i had been checking out all my michael Crichton books from so cujo mm-hmm. was the first one but i i didn't see the movie until years and years later because it was yeah. it was a rated r movie and I somehow my mom just wasn't paying attention and she just let me check out Cujo very, very young. And I shouldn't yeah. have like, cause I should know. I, I know we've been through it before, but like one of the things that always stood out in Cujo to me was there was an extended sequence of the, of the character describing how like he jacks off on his sheets and his sheets mm. are all stiff with cum and it's like mm-hmm. at that point like i don't even think i was coming i didn't even know what that was and i'm like i don't understand why and and stephen king wrote it as c-o-m-e yeah in that edition of the book that i read I, maybe they've changed mm-hmm. it and updated it since but i was like i don't understand what is come it comes out of your penis i guess 
That's weird. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Let me Google it. Oh, wait, Google doesn't exist. I'll just sit here confused for six years. Yeah. I'll, That's I'll what we get had to it do, eventually, guys. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what we had to do. Us us in our, you know, late 30s, 40s, you know, and beyond, uh, you know, we were kind of that transition generation that we grew up without the internet uh, and then got the internet like when we were in middle school. So like all of the way you operate as a human and the things that you learn about how life works, we were like the last generation that didn't just look it up on the internet. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, we had mysteries in our lives at 10 years old. Like what is come? You're know? right. <laughs> Yeah, we had mysteries, but, but also like we were the first ones able to solve them and also mm -hmm. were the last ones to know how any of the like dead tech works. Like yeah. I could still do a Dewey Decimal if I had to. I can I can do a rotary phone if I have to. But I just I don't. saw a, a, a friend like a friend of a friend's kid or something like that just graduated from college with a master's degree in library sciences. Yeah. And I was like, what does library sciences look like now? Because back in the day, it was like, yeah, Dewey Decimal System and shit like that. We all had to learn that back in the yeah. day. So we could use the library at school. What What does library sciences uh, uh, have to do? I mean, it's a database management, I'm sure, to a certain extent. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I have not, regrettably, I have not been uh, uh, in a library in a while. Mm -mm. Like we used to go to libraries, like library story time with the kids. When we lived in Wisconsin. Uh, my, my wife will occasionally do things, at the library, and then she's, you know, active at, you know, our, our kids school and stuff like that. So she's in the library there. I spent a lot of time in bookstores. I don't spend a lot of time in libraries. I don't know what they'd be doing. I don't know if shit be tight over there. In libraries, <laughs> libraries do be tight. Let me, let me come out yeah. and say libraries still be, do be tight because especially yeah. for movie rental uh mm. if you're if you're a person who you know doesn't necessarily want to like pay for a lot of streaming services and everything there are yeah. a number of streaming services built on the library kind of on like a national library uh backbone oh sick yeah and like they have a bunch of things they're they're gonna have like a lot of arty films that you uh, don't necessarily like the, the movie Angst that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. available in a lot of places. I found mm -hmm. it in two places. Mubi, which is the up, upscale Tubi. <laughs> Mubi is that uh, uh, fictional uh, fast food restaurant from uh, the Kevin Smith universe. Right. James Allen Bob and all <laughs> right. that. Yeah, right. They have hamburgers and weird Austrian films. Uh, yeah. But then uh, another one was like just a library operated one where like if you have a if you're a student or if you have a library card, you can rent movies from. So, yeah, I need to get in that library game. Mm -hmm. um, I was a big library kid in, in college, not having money uh, and wanting to read things and watch movies and stuff. I discovered that you can just do all that for free at the library, which was great. And YSU actually does have a really great library. And I, they if like they didn't have a book that you wanted. You could get it from a different library and they'd mail it to that library. It was yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah. I remember I wanted to find like some, you know, I was a college kid, went through my uh, Hunter S. Thompson phase and I wanted to read like Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 72, mm -hmm. which was like, you know, not not a small book of his, but like, you know, you don't see a lot of Hunter S. Thompson in the library, I guess. Um, 
And they actually got it from like the University of Toledo library, <laughs> sent it to YSU, and then they had it there for me. I was like, oh, this shit's this, this pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, just uh, anyway. Yeah. Back to Stephen King, though, I wanted to mention something that's similar to a library, but it's also probably my other favorite book that stuck with me the most because it was probably the second Stephen King book I, I read. And I was a mm-hmm. little bit older, so it made a little more sense. Like it was more impactful and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I was on vacation in Myrtle Beach. And oh, hell yeah. I was. I love Myrtle Beach. It's so grimy and awesome. Right, yeah, it's so grimy. Yeah. And we were staying at a KOA, but like the KOA had uh, like it had prefab trailers and everything. So you could do trailer rentals. Mm-hmm. So like you could stay at and then they had a kind of like a community room with like a take a book, leave a book and like the RoboCop arcade game. Those oh, are the yeah. two things I remember the most of. <laughs> That's all you really need. Yeah. But the the take a book, leave a book, they had uh, Desperation by Stephen King, which I think had just mm-hmm. come out because like that book came out in like 96. Yeah, I know that was a later one because I, I some of the more recent, really like 90s and beyond Stephen King books, I haven't really read a lot of, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that one was kind of after I. You know, I would say like Gerald's game, you know, kind of time frame is where I kind of dropped off reading Stephen King for not not because I was reading it back then, but just like around that era of King is, you know, a little bit of a blind spot for me. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, Desperation came out in 96. And then so like I read that and it's like it's a really weird book and people may like it or they may not. It got a adaptation in 2003 starring uh ron perlman that was a t is that the tv series no it was just a movie oh because they did a tv did they do a tv series or was that a tv movie i think it was just more of a tv movie i think it came out on sci-fi gotcha, channel gotcha. is what it was oh there you go yeah but yeah so they did yeah they did an adaptation with ron perlman but this this was also my first introduction to the richard bachman shit that he does mm. Because he at the same year he released a book called The Regulators, which took a lot of the same characters from Desperation, yeah. and it, it told uh, it told not a parallel story, but like just a similar story. Mm-hmm. And The Regulators was also much more almost like the uh, the the one story in the Twilight Zone, the movie where the kid has like control over the world around him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the regulators is like that on like kind of a bigger scale of of like a whole town. Yeah. 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 We should say uh, Richard Bachman was that was Stephen King's Chris Gaines. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He was trying to do like more hard boiled type of I don't not hard boiled because it was supernatural, too. But like there it was just it had a little bit more of a hard boiled tone to it, I feel like. Right. Because, I mean, that's what he wrote uh, The Running Man under. Mm-hmm. And like the you know most people would know Richard Bachman as the writer of the Running Man, but then like I don't think it was until later, like after the Running Man came out, people like figured out oh it's the same guy, <laughs> and then that's why he only like he uh, he only did a couple more books under the Bachman name. It wasn't uh he it was weird because he did uh, the the only book that I read. 
and then subsequently have seen the the movie, which is maybe the worst, probably the worst film adaptation of any Stephen King. And there's some stinkers out there uh. um, is thinner. I remember reading thinner and that was from like the mid eighties. And I believe that was Richard Bachman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, but the thinner, I think it was a, like a sci-fi ish TV movie. Like it was a low budget thing. It was, it was lower no? budget, but I think it came out before sci-fi channel was a thing. Cause I remember I, I, I think I saw that movie in the theater. Really? Yeah. Yeah. This is, so I'm looking at 96 here. But anyway, it was a stinker. An absolute fucking stinker. I I didn't hate it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I I re- I thought it was just absolutely awful. And you know, this is the thing with King adaptations. Like they get a lot of shit of the film adaptations, TV adaptations. But when you're basing it off of like a enormous best-selling author's work that millions and millions and millions of people have read you are going to have people experience the phenomena of disappointment, not even disappointment, but the, the, the cognitive dissonance that happens naturally whenever you see a movie based on a book that you've read. And it becomes that like a uh, uh, stereotypical kind of snobbish thing where people are like, well, the book was better. You know, mm-hmm. that's like a joke. People always say, right. like, of course, everybody always says the book is better. You're, you're a snobby piece of shit. Well, not really. It's just, you created a story in your brain uh, or, or an image in your brain while you uh, read this story and it was what you wanted it to be. The movie is rarely lines up with what you want, what it was in your brain. I mean, it's just a pheno- natural phenomenon around, you know, anytime you read a book and then um, and then watch the movie. But when you have Stephen King, who's this huge author, like, you know, when I say like I, I love Richard Matheson and I read a Richard Matheson story, like people don't talk about that too much about Richard Matheson because most people know his stories from like the Twilight Zone. Right. So they, their first thing they saw was the Twilight Zone um, and their first introduction to those stories. And when you're talking Stephen King and he's one of the most successful authors of commercial authors of all time, of course, more people are going to be experiencing that phenomenon who don't read a ton of other books. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, so. Like it, and I think it speaks to the quality of the filmmaker, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the movie. Cause like there's obvious ones like Carrie and the shining that just like people completely agree with of like, Oh, they got it. And even, uh, Mike Flanagan's, uh, version of, uh, Dr. Sleep was really well received even though like mm-hmm. it is partially built on what the shining or, you know, what Kubrick already established visually with the shining, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, you, people are willing to accept something when it's done really well. Uh, the mm-hmm. mist is another example. Yeah. That one is coming on in, in, in recent years here. And, and I guess to, to answer the question, because of the first stories um, that I that I read uh, of Steve. Well, I'll say the first movies that I saw uh, based on Stephen King adaptations. I think the first one I ever saw was probably parts of the shining. I do remember seeing parts of the shining really, you know, young when it was like playing on TV or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think the first one I ever sat down like that, I actually rented and then, and, and sat and watched beginning to end, you know, when I was 
I don't know, 10 or something like that um, was Children of the Corn, weirdly enough, because that 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 movie was such a weird social phenomenon. Like uh, pe- people talked about that movie a lot for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It's OK. It's not that great. I mean, it's light years above the <laughs> better than the freaking remake they did last year that was pitifully comically bad. Uh. Um but yeah, that was the first one that that I read uh, or watched rather. I think as far as the first, either that or right around the first that time, my Aunt Jill, who I've talked about a lot on the podcast in the past, who was like a hardcore horror nerd and, and loves Stephen King. She had actually bought the multi-tape set of the Salem's Lot TV series. Oh, okay. Um, and... That is, you know, people think of it as like one thing back then, but it, it was like a mini series mm-hmm. um, back in the like late 70s, early 80s. Um, and she had it. I think it was on three VHS tapes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and right. maybe it was two. Yeah, maybe it was two. But it was I remember watching that really early as well. Um, as far as the books that I remember reading, I definitely uh, the first thing I ever read. Speaking of the mist was uh, Skeleton Crew. Mm. which was a sh- short story collection um, that had a bunch of really great ones in it. But the mist was the very first one uh, in, in the book. Uh, but other, some other notable ones uh, that people, you know, horror fans will definitely know. I'll talk about actually, you know, we can even jump into talking about some of the film adaptations from that one. But uh, the raft was was a short story in that one, which came went on to, uh, you know, New World optioned. Uh, for Creepshow 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a segment in Creepshow 2 um, with a script by uh, George Romero and uh, Michael Gornick, uh, which I think we talked about in the past. I actually have a, a still um, uh, uh, animation cell signed by Michael Gornick from from the intro to that. I love Creepshow That's 2. It. I love all the Creepshow, Creepshow 1 and 2, Creepshow 3. Uh, I still want to talk about that on the podcast because it's <laughs> fucking shameful. Um, word processor of the gods um, Michael Gornick also directed, and it was an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, oh, okay. which I don't know if I remember. I, I I don't remember a lot about the story either, but I, I'd be interested to go and find a little bit more about that out. Um, uh, Grandma was adapted into um, uh, the 85 iteration of the Twilight Zone. Um, and then it was loosely adapted into a film called Mercy, in 2014, which I did not see. Hmm. And I then, don't think I saw it either. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, The Mist was adapted in the two, 2007 film, uh, the, the Frank Darabont film, which you were just talking about, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic film. And I remember loving it from the very first time I saw it, which I believe I did see it on like sci-fi or somewhere on cable. Um, but people for a while there started crapping on that movie pretty hard. Because it does have some CGI that aged really horribly. Yeah. But in recent years, people, I think, have started to forgive that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like at the time, I think the CGI was bad. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that there's so much worse CGI in the future, which is now yeah. like, right. like, what the fuck? Well, whatever. Then. <laughs> yeah. We were not yet. I think when people were kind of shitting on it in like 20 15 they didn't realize how much of the depths we were going to plumb of the cgi world yeah <laughs> uh maybe at that point i don't know yeah because um because also like 
with the mist coming out in 2007 it's still generally kind of early for that much cgi because like there's so many monsters in that film and yeah like, they did- and some of it's good oh, it's yeah. just i think some of the the parts that are bad stick out like a sore thumb because mm-hmm. some of it's good yeah and, and like especially like at the end those weird fucking giant elephant monsters yeah you know like with the tentacles and stuff that's great that's such a great visual that's great even the even like the 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 kind of um locust like uh you know mosquito-y monsters or, mm-hmm. or whatever the hell they are that are you know being attracted to the window early on and then the big flappy prehistoric looking thing like that stuff's all pretty good it's really that scene in the back room with the tentacle monster yeah. going under the uh going under the door that's like holy shit it's really really yeah. bad and it's simply because the tentacle does so much interaction with actors in that scene yeah. like you you need physical you know a, a physical like a barrier right either a yeah. barrier or like it maybe just a giant hose and a green sleeve or something like yeah, i feel like they right. didn't have yeah. enough like physical things for the actors to interact with and it just comes off like not so great <laughs> the hit detection was off yeah let's yeah. put it that way but uh yeah that movie is great uh i will say uh well i i, I won't go any further than this but if you have not read this the story it's not a so it's I, I mean i guess it's probably more of a novella like it was a it wasn't a short story. It wasn't like a 2000 word short story. Like it was quite a bit longer mm-hmm. than that. Um, I think it would probably fall into the like novella kind of, kind of category. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, it does depart from the book, you know, the novella pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but interestingly enough, like are pretty thoroughly, especially at the end. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was such a bold choice that I feel like people, respected the the different avenue it went a little bit yeah i mean even king came out and said that he likes that ending is like yeah like because i think famously king was really unhappy with the adaptation of the shining he hated kubrick's adaptation and i think he hated kubrick too right um which kubrick is a pretty hateable guy from from (laughs) what everybody could tell but he hated famously hated the kubrick adaptation of course i love it um you know i i I saw it way before i read the book um but he didn't like i don't think i think he's maybe softened on this but he didn't love the the tv the, or the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the, the eighties was eighties or nineties version of the it, uh, uh, film adaptation either with, uh, Tim Curry when it first came out. Um, he wasn't as crazy yeah, about that. Either. That might be possible, but I think, yeah, I think you're right though. I think he's softened on both since like, mm-hmm. I think he's fine with the shining adaptation because obviously we already mentioned Dr. Sleep and how much Mike Flanagan brings back from that film. Like if he if he really yeah. hated you know Kubrick's Shining, he wouldn't have let Flanagan fucking put more <laughs> into it. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. Yeah. He, I think also like you know Stephen King. I I think it's fair to say probably over the years his his ego has kind of softened a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Like he's he started. I mean, listen, he deserves. It. He's a fantastic author one of the you know best-selling authors of all time but i think for a lot of years he was really smelling his own farts really hard yeah and that's cocaine (laughs) yeah and then uh and then you know i think after you know obviously he got off the the drugs and the booze and then uh uh which i didn't know a whole lot about until i took this this tour and, uh, and then i actually 
listened on my drive back from Maine an audio book called On Writing, which was the uh, uh, I think it came out in ninety nine or two thousand ish, which was his like kind of composition writing book, which was really interesting. Had a lot of stories and stuff in it, but it really gets deep into. You know, I know we had an automobile accident in the late 90s, uh, but I didn't realize the extent of it. He actually got hit by a van while he was walking and like was, um, you know, it was very lucky to be alive and had like years of rehab and is still, you know, not fully recovered and that sort of thing. Um, And I think that also, you know, was a little bit of a turning point for him in maybe not taking not not that he doesn't take his work as seriously, but maybe is not as precious about things as he once was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's... I think I would say it's maximum overdrive. It had to be, you know, once he realized <laughs> how hard movie making was, then he quit. Humbling experience <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's what I'm sticking with. Mm-hmm. And I just made that up, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, hard, to, hard to argue with that logic, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially when he, but it's funny because, uh, you know, and we'll get into this when I talk about the tour, one of the places we went on this tour was, uh, Stephen King has a radio station in Bangor and it actually, I think has broadcast, you know, through a big chunk of new England. It's called, uh, uh, I think it's, uh, K I W K I T. Oh, okay. Um, uh, in, in Bangor and it's, it's based in Bangor, Maine. And it's one of the last, like uh independent uh dj driven radio stations in the country Mm. and he does a lot of really cool stuff with it like i guess he has some stipulation where like when one of his movie adaptations come out they always have to do the the world premiere quote unquote world premiere not the big hollywood one but they do like the first showing of it at this movie theater in bangor um and he the only way you can get tickets, uh, unless you're part of the production, of course, is to be like the 10th caller oh, on the radio station kind of thing. <laughs> and he gives them all out. And he even like, I guess a lot of people are like, will call and be like, hey, you know, hey, I want tickets. I'm this local, you know, reviewer, big shot or whatever. And he's like, no, fuck you. You got to call the radio station and be caller 10, um, <laughs> which was pretty cool. But so while we were up there, I was I was listening to actually downloaded the app of the 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 W uh, WKIT, which I thought was funny. King and it, of course, yeah. I assume is what, what that's based on. WKIT. That's also uh, it just plays ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> it is just fucking ACDC, deep purple. Um, but but it's all DJ driven. And there's a lot of like, you know local DJs that are still on the air like every day at different hours. So I listened to it a lot and uh, I guess Nickelback was in banger the other night and they were just like torching Nickelback on the, uh, on the air. They were like, uh, what do you say? They were doing the local weather. The ones I was just driving and listened to it. And the one DJ goes, uh, yeah, uh, you know, chance of uh, chance of rain tomorrow. You know, it's going to be high of seventy two. Hundred percent chance of Nickelback, though. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty, pretty, pretty fun. But isn't uh, isn't uh, KIT a reference to uh, the Shining as well? It's a the the radio call sign. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know that. I just assumed it was K- King, and of course it. But yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I thought I thought it. I think that's a reference to because. It's uh, when they try to use the shortwave radio to call out. 
It's right. It's, I think it's WKIT one, WKIT twelve, or something like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that that, that that might make more sense. I think that's but, right. Uh, but. but yeah, I literally we turned it on, and uh, my brother and I were joking about how it's just going to be all ACDC, and they were doing one of those like triple play rock block things where they play like three songs in a row from the same artist. Oh yeah. And uh, the, we flipped it on, and the very first thing was like about coming back after the break with a triple play rock block from ACDC. <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah, dude! This is exactly what I want. And then, uh, and then it went into you know, it was like Springsteen and Deep Purple, and you know, it was just all the things you'd expect. Metallica. It's like mostly like uh, hard rock, you know, hard rock stuff, classic hard rock. But nice. Yeah, that, that um, sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah, it's not. He's very, very right up, right up his alley. Um, anyway, so yeah, just to, to wrap up, uh, skeleton crew that, yeah, this was the first one I read, uh, the, the John or no survivor type, uh, was adapted into the animated segment in the creep show TV series. Remember the, 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 the doctor, maybe he's a dentist and he's trapped on the desert Island and he, and he eats himself. Mm, okay. Did you watch on the creep show? I didn't really, yeah, I've only seen, I think a couple episodes of the first season, so I didn't see that. Real, it's the yeah, it's one of the animated ones. Um, really brutal uh, uh, story and and really cool like animated adaptation of that. And apparently, the jaunt uh, is going to be made into a film uh, by uh, uh, Plan B Entertainment, which that sounds really familiar. Who's Plan B Entertainment? Uh, I don't know. That doesn't sound familiar uh, to me. Actually, American production company. Oh, it's Brad Pitt's uh, uh. production company. Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston, uh, yeah, uh, started that production company. So we'll see. I mean, there is literally always some King property in some form of, of uh, a development, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, um, there's a bunch like, you know, you can see a bunch right now on like the Wikipedia that are supposedly in production. Oh, let's look. Uh, if you yeah, if you don't mind, let's go through a couple. I'm interested. So they're doing know. another Chris. They're doing a Christine remake. Uh, Supposed, oh supposedly uh, uh that is honestly one of my favorite books and movies mm-hmm. like uh, usually i really like the book or i really like the movie the mist and and christine are probably the ones that i really love both and you know aside from the shining and carrie and some of the classics yeah uh brian fuller is attached to direct okay so possible it could be could be pretty good uh let's see uh, the one this one I feel like has been in production for fucking ever and like it's may or may not ever actually get made but did you ever read and this isn't a horror it's uh the girl who loved Tom Gordon no no but I saw it on this list and uh it sounded familiar but I don't think I know very much about it yeah it's I mean it's I guess you could maybe call it tangentially horror it's not mm-hmm. like uh it, it's not like a a, a a monsters type of horror but it's much more yeah. about like this girl's lost in the woods and just everything that like just surviving it's a it, you know it's a it's again surviving on your own but she's like a teenager or even younger i think and mm-hmm. she's just obsessed with baseball and so it's like her, her i think she's carrying a radio most of the time like a, like yeah. one of those little handheld radios and like that's yeah. what helps get her through her ordeal because she can just listen to a baseball game 
you know, which, you know, King is famously a Red, a Red Sox fan. So, yeah, like a hardcore Red Sox fan. I actually uh, uh, posted a picture on our Instagram that uh, the family that and we'll get into the tour thing later, but the, the family that owns the, the tour company that I went on uh, are, uh, you know, acquaintances of the King family and we're a, owned a bookstore in, in Bangor, Maine, where, you know, he did one of his first signings and, you know, had a relationship with him for a long time when he lived in the area. And uh, they have pictures of him because he used to play in a band um, with a bunch of other writers. Mm-hmm. And he had this really picture of him. I didn't write. I forget what the name of the band was of him, like at a bar playing and he's got like a cut off red shot red socks t-shirt tucked into his jeans and i was like it's <laughs> the most dad rock shit i ever saw in my life um but yeah a lot of baseball comes up t- a ton he was you know famously a, a huge baseball fan we actually saw like a unbelievably gorgeous little league pretty much uh, the the king foundation has built like everything in Bangor, like their public pool, their little league fields, like everything <laughs> is from money donated from, from the King foundation. They, he's, they raised slash donated like $13 million to build this unbelievably gorgeous library in Bangor too. But, uh, yeah, those little league field is like fucking perf- looks like a fucking minor league ballpark, you know, and it's their little league field, mm. uh, which is pretty cool. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, the, this the the girl who loved Tom Gordon was like it was a film that was supposed to be uh, directed by George Romero, and it was like one mm. of the last films he was attached to before he died, and then uh. it like I guess they're they're looking to maybe still go through with it. Mm. It's going to be produced by George Romero's wife, one that's still out there. Who knows? Still floating out there in development hell somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Edgar Wright is supposedly directing a, a remake of The Running Man. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. I, I could see him doing that. a good job with that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I guess one other one that I that I wanted to talk about a little bit because I actually watched the movie before I read the book of this one and I and I like really loved both of them maybe it had something to do with the order that I read them in but also I think the casting was so perfect for it um, and this is a, a film that I, I just don't think gets enough credit in general not just among you know King ad- adaptations but just in, in general is the dead zone from 83 mm-hmm. uh, more of a more of a sci-fi uh, thriller than like pure horror but I just don't fully understand why it doesn't get the credit um i i I theorize that it it it, you know it falls uh into the pitfall that we've seen with a lot of movies is and i think this is kind of a king thing as well and you know correct me if uh if you disagree he's not great at titles uh (laughs) you know the the i remember waiting years and years to read the stand because I'm yeah. like, eh, that doesn't sound that interesting. And I maybe you know, I maybe I shouldn't be as sucked in by titles or, or or turned off by titles. But if you gave me a synopsis of what the stand's about, I'm like, oh fuck, that sounds awesome. Right. But like as a kid, I'm like, the stand? What is it? A courtroom drama? Like what? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I think I I'm not disagreeing that the titles are, are uninspiring. Mm-hmm. I would just also add that. Because he writes so much, he has like, he just has to come up with a title as quickly as possible. Yeah, he's like, not agonizing over it. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's prolific for a reason, I guess. 
Right. Um, he, he can't be sneaky because, I mean, he just knows, like, if he doesn't use that title for one thing, he's going to use it for another. Because, right. I mean, you just think of all the other ones, like the Mangler, the Night Flyer. Yep. Like, it's just, eh, okay, whatever. It's something. Get it out there. The Langoliers. <laughs> the the Langoliers sticks out because you're like, what the fuck is a Langolier? And then yeah. you go check that out. <laughs> yeah. But like, it, it's, um, I don't know. It, it, I, I think the Dead Zone might suffer by that, uh, you know, hand as well. Yeah, I mean the dead zone. It's not a bad bad, t- but it sounds very generic. It um, sounds generic, and also it falls into the realm of like some of the other ones that are bad mm-hmm. that have uninspiring titles, like Dreamcatcher and Secret Window. Yeah, you know, like again, they're they're all kind of who gives a shit titles. <laughs> yeah, the Secret Window. My God, like that could be a young adult novel so easily yeah, too. Exactly. So. Um, you know, it's like Indians in the cupboard, Indian in the cupboard and the secret window could be, you know, be two <laughs> books you read in the same grade. Um, yeah. but the dead zone, I mean, you just say that people, eh, okay. But you say, you know, David Cronenberg, uh, based on a Stephen King novel, you know, starring peak and not, not peak in that he's went down, but like, this is Christopher Walken at his best. This is coming off the heels of. Uh, you know, uh, 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 of uh, the deer hunter, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tom Skerrick, uh, uh, Herbert Lom, Brooke Adams, like just an amazing cast uh, starring. You just get so much concentrated, amazing Christopher Walken, um, not to mention uh, an awesome villain in Martin Sheen, too. And, and and I don't know what the guy's name is that plays Martin Sheen's like uh bodyguard slash advisor slash mobster kind of, you know, guy who walks around <laughs> with him. Um, but he's fucking scary too. Like it's just, it's fantastic. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, 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 you know, it's set in castle rock, Maine, you know, so it's this very, and, and it's, it's the same thing where so many of, of Stephen King's characters are, are, or heroes or, or main characters, whatever are based, you know, either loosely or, or fairly on the nose on him, um, whether they be, you know, cause he, you know, there's even, there's always people working in mills, working in like laundry rooms, um, which are both <laughs> things he did. He was a school teacher. He was an English teacher. So that's the, 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 uh, uh, the, uh, jo- Johnny Smith, which is, you know, a little on the nose because he wants him to be an everyman kind of thing. Right. Um, he's a school teacher, right. Um, and uh, and of course, nine hundred of his 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 characters are are writers, and he's a big. I know he's a big proponent. Even just listening to the on writing audiobook, he's a big proponent of the you know old write what you know thing. Um, so he does right. He obviously does it extremely well. But um, you know, I, I guess I won't uh, 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 spoil anything. But this school teacher is just an average regular guy um, who is he really tries hard to point to position this guy as like he's your everyday you know working class joe um who uh you know has this terrible accident and wakes up after being in a coma for years and he now has these like uh, abilities to you know, see into the future essentially and when he when he comes in physical contact with people and uh so now it's the only thing I don't like about the or that I liked more about the book is the book I felt 
and maybe I will throw out a little spoiler alert here. And if you haven't watched the movie or read the book, maybe fast forward a little bit because they're both fantastic. But in the book, it feels like there is a little bit more meant to be a little bit more doubt in the reader's mind about whether Johnny is a reliable narrator or not. Mm. I seem to remember that a little bit, especially when you get into, um, you know, the, the situation where essentially uh, uh, Johnny comes in contact with a, a politician, this up and coming politician who, when he shakes his hand, he sees that essentially he's going to start World War Three. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, in the film, it's played by Martin Sheen. Um, and the whole idea is, can, you know, basically a, 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 a political assassin, in this case, Johnny, a, a would-be political assassin, be a good guy? <laughs> you know, is yeah. kind of the question he's asking. And in the novel, I feel like it's it's very much uh, left for you to not not for you to decide because it d- does come to a conclusion, but it's kind of like. Well, Johnny's a great guy and Johnny is he knows what's happening and he knows his the, 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 the gift or curse or whatever you want to call it that has been given to him, even though he doesn't fully understand it. And he's not a bad guy. But then you're like, well, probably doesn't every political assassin think that, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so and he, and he even kind of says that in, in on writing. Um, so you're like, you, you don't know whether to trust Johnny's judgment uh, or if he's just slowly losing his mind in the in the store. I'm sorry, in the in the film adaptation, it feels pretty clear. Like you get to see a lot of Martin Sheen doing horrible things. And uh, uh, and you just yeah, I mean, he does horrible things in the book, too. Um, but I don't know. There just feels like there's a little bit more ambiguity in the book, whereas in the in the in the movie, it's a little bit more fed to you i feel like but it's mm-hmm. it's still fantastic hmm. yeah well there you go everybody there's your reasons to check out both i i have to go back and watch the movie because i haven't watched it uh in a long long time i think probably the last time i saw it was maybe on sci-fi channel or something mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah one thing I'll, I'll say too about this which i always find really intriguing and i don't know why is uh, 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 Johnny again, played by Christopher Walken. Um, after his accident and waking up from the, uh, you know, the coma, he has uh, obviously his hair is different, but he just decides to change his hairstyle completely, and he has hmm. this like really dorky haircut before the accident and then he has this a little bit more like flashy haircut after and he stops wearing glasses and he just kind of turns into like i don't know pops his collar a lot it's just really interesting it's it's the original you know uh spider-man you know meme you get bit by the spider you become a superhero (laughs) you got cool hair now yeah exactly um but yeah christopher walken's just fucking fucking brilliant brilliant in that movie um Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to ask you too, because it feels like this is something you'd have a better um, grasp on than me, and and if not, that that's fine. But I'm considering, and this is a big uh, uh, commitment, but I've never read any of the Dark Tower series. Oh yeah, no, I haven't. I I was not into that either. Like it was, it seemed like such a big commitment that I didn't get into it. 
I've never been aside from Goosebumps books, which are a series, but it's a stand. They're all standalone books, right? You can pick up right. any one of them in order and, and read them. I've never been a big uh, uh, series guy as far as books are concerned. Like I usually yeah. read like more like standalone fiction novels or or you know or nonfiction. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe that'll be my first. Like I never read Tolkien. I you know I was too old for Harry Potter. Um, mm-hmm. You know I never read you know, George R. R. Martin or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe that'll be my first, uh, uh, um, s- you know, series that I jump into. Yeah. I'm trying to think it, like, I, yeah, I was never a really big series guy either. The one series I got into and I like the dark Cat tower was really popular. Like when we were graduating high school, because yeah. that's when he started putting out like the end of the series. Mm hmm. Um, but then like that movie came out with Matthew McConaughey and everybody said it was bad. So we didn't, you know, like nobody felt inspired to go back to it. (laughs) Yeah. So, but, uh, the one series I read and like, it's embarrassing, but stupid. And I just read it because it it was, it was so bad, but the books were so easy to read. Do you, do you remember the left behind series of like Christian books? Um, the only reason I know them is from the movie adaptations with Kirk Cameron, because yeah. I dated a girl in high school that uh, a couple times dragged me to her like youth group. Mm-hmm. And they tried to make us watch the the Left Behind movies. And yeah. I was not welcomed back because I made fun of them relentlessly because <laughs> <laughs> I was a s- smart ass skateboard kid. And I was like, you know, this fucking sucks. Which they do suck. Don't get me wrong. They fucking suck right, and yeah. fuck Kirk Cameron. But still, uh, yeah, I was, I was super obnoxious about it. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. my only familiarity. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, it, I mean, for people who aren't even religious or don't pay attention, like, it's all based off the last book of the Bible, which is Revelations, mm-hmm. which is like barely should be included because it's just like we a weird like political protest poetry like it was written after Christ. It has nothing to do with anything. No, the the book I'm, I'm reading a book right now, too, called. Uh, what's it called? Who who changed who who changed the Bible and why or something like that? It's all about like mm-hmm. basically the editing of the Bible. And uh, yeah, that's, that, there's no rhyme or reason to why, you know, that went in there. But then, well, there is a rhyme or reason. It's to, you yeah. know, to, to hint, hint, hint to control people. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also it was about, uh, you know, why don't we talk about the the, the Nephilims, the giants and how, uh, you know, uh, people, <laughs> angels had sex with humans. And then that's why, uh, uh, you know, demons came about and shit like that. Um, but you don't, don't talk we- about that. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not as easy to explain away, you know, some of those things. But why, why don't we talk about the time Christ killed a kid? <laughs> oh, yeah. Killed a bunch of but he's just always was doing like just some some nasty shit to people. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry, got off on topic. That's that's yeah, one of my just... the, the, the books. The apocryphal books are like one of my favorite topics to talk about. Yeah. But yeah, that, that that's, you know, it, we just got off track because we were talking about the Left Behind series because, yeah. I mean, it was an interesting like they're, they're fucking poorly written, but oh yeah, <laughs> but like it it was interesting. I never watched any of the movies, but yeah, that was the only series I read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I my favorite 
probably one of the only things I remember about it was when the rapture would happen. And that and that's what would event what would happen is mm-hmm. the rapture happened and uh and then all the people who were were saved, you know, had who had accepted Jesus Christ into their hearts, uh, could could go to heaven, and they would just get zapped there, uh, and their clothes and shoes would be <laughs> fine, <laughs> which cracked me up, and that was what really started my like. Like, you know, like I was just having a laugh fit watching it when the first person, like they walked into like the church and there's just like a thousand pairs of shoes and, and, and shirts and shit laid on the ground. And I, and I was like, where's all their glasses and tampons and jewelry? Right. <laughs> why did why just their clothes? It's so fucking stupid. It's just really poorly written. You need your glasses. In Where's heaven. everyone's pacemakers? You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. what the fuck, you assholes, you stupid. Like, I just remember that was the thing that <laughs> I remember we were really cracking up about because I was like, where's everyone's tampons? Like, where were literally no women like on their period when they got raptured? Is that part of the deal? You can't get raptured if you're on your period? Yes. Uh, that yeah. unclean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I just got a huge kick out of that, 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 that stipulation. God oh, will be mad. <laughs> yeah, where are their earrings? Why isn't it what, like you know? Wouldn't it be funny if you did that? Like they, they, you looked on one of the seats of the pew, and there was a butt plug in, in one of their <laughs> pants. <laughs> but there never is, unfortunately. Of course not. Nobody with a butt uh, plug is going to heaven. People who participate in carnal pleasures. No, you can't participate in carnal pleasures. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the the. Uh, you know, um, pacemakers, nothing like that, no, nothing like that. Just shoes, nope. khakis, a lot of khakis laid behind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to go to heaven with your fucking replacement hip. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Your, your plate in your arm is, is there, but, uh, your khakis are, are, are staying at the church. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah. Any other particular, uh, uh, works you want to talk about before we, we chat about the tour a little bit? Cause I thought it was, there was some, some pretty, interesting stuff i thought you that uh folks would get a kick out of no nothing nothing we have to really touch too much on i i just did want to like again mention the stand because the stand was fucking awesome and that was one of like for again you know our younger audience you're not going to remember this but in the 90s every couple years we would get a stephen king miniseries Mm -hmm. and it started it started with the salem's lot yeah but you know we got uh you know the stand was the first big one that i remember mm-hmm. of like you know oh we have this tv event you got to sit down for we're gonna you know fucking eight weeks of the stand or whatever oh it was appointment viewing yes very yeah much so and then like rose red was another one uh i think storm was storm of the century a miniseries or I think was it, that just a movie i think i think it was both um if i'm not mistaken uh let me see i because there was a storm of the century or at least a movie. maybe it wasn't called storm of the century but no, I'm thinking of the perfect storm, uh, which is not the same. Yeah, that's not. The yeah, same. no storm. Because I remember I got the uh, f- uh, for like a Christmas gift. My aunt gave me the storm of the century, the book. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but it was written in screenplay format. Like Stephen King didn't. Stephen King wrote it directly for screen. He didn't oh, write okay. a book, but they published the screenplay to read. And like, I got Weird. this screen, I got this giant screenplay and I'm like, why does it look like this? <laughs> I don't That's get so it. That's strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like 
in my later years when I decided I actually wanted to get into screenwriting. It was a very cool thing to have. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, I I don't believe I've ever seen the Stand miniseries, uh, mm. but I would like to go back and see it or go back and M-O-N, watch it. Oh, and that spells moon. Oh man, that that book. Oh, I remember like there are a few parts that just that was probably one of the first books I remember because you know, the Goosebumps books, I always love the twist. You know, there always be some little twisty ending. And mm-hmm. I remember there's some big surprise events that happen in the stand that you're like, Jesus Christ. Like you just read it three times to like, wait, did that just happen? You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, um, but in any case, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, uh, talk a little bit about this, this tour, which was, which was really fun. It was very, I'll explain, I, I, you know, fairly low rent, very folksy local tour company. I don't mean any of that in a bad way. It was super fun, really charming. You know, it was kind of a, a mom and pop type of operation. For those of you who are interested in it, or if you live up there or you're anywhere close to, to Bangor, Maine, or you're vacationing, if you're going to Acadia or Bar Harbor or whatever, um, it, it's definitely worth a, worth it if you are um, a, a Stephen King fan or a horror fan in, at all. Uh, but it's called sktours.com. Uh, SK Tours. Um, it's uh, sk-tours.com. Um, I think they have a Facebook page. They post a lot of stuff on. If you put like SK Tours of Maine in Facebook, you'll find it on there. They're they're really really cool, really nice people. They have a uh, this really cute little gift shop where they have a bunch of stuff for sale and you know movie posters up on the wall and all that stuff, which I I just love all that. Um, they pulled up, you know, we got on a a, a tour by uh, you know a little miniature tour bus that probably there's probably two, four, six, maybe 12 or 14 people on the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the bus was, was full with that many people, but there's like, you know, big, uh, it painted on the side, you know, it's like, uh, um, Tim Curry's it, you know, painted on the yeah. side. And then on the back has got the, uh, uh, the newer, you know, it, uh, is on the back. And, um, so they, t- they took you to a bunch of, a bunch of places, places not only from Stephen King's upbringing but places that were inspired by the movie and you really truly can't go anywhere in Bangor without seeing something or hearing something that is tied to Stephen King or one of his works it's like it's kind of you know of course being on a tour you hear every one of them but interestingly enough after we went on the tour my brother and uh, my my dad and I we went to Banger Beer Company, which is a little brewery nearby. We had lunch, had a couple beers, very nice folks there. Um, and they were like, oh, where are you from? You know, we're telling them, what are you in town for? You know, we're on vacation. We just did this, you know, this tour. And everyone knows, you know, oh, yeah, there was this this um, one uh, server there we were talking to. And she she couldn't have been more than about 25 years old. She didn't know anything about Stephen King. But, of course, she knew, like, you know, he does a lot for the community, all this stuff. She was like, uh, did you guys go over to the uh, um, uh, the Oriental Jade? And I was like, what? And she's like, oh, we figured you were here because the Oriental Jade. And I'm like, no. They were like, the Chinese restaurant right next door, they literally share the building with, was the Chinese restaurant from It. You know, that oh, they, yeah, they grow up, yeah. they meet in, at like the round table that they meet yeah. in is literally there. And so we went over and there's the table. Um, which was pretty cool. And that was completely by accident. So it's like, it really is like every inch of this town, like has something uh, associated with it. So, um, you know, a couple of the spots that I, I found really cool. We went to, uh, um, speaking of the stand, 
uh, uh, one of the main characters in the stand. His first name's Kate, but Flag. What's his last name? Flag. Uh, I no, think Flag's his last name. Yeah. Flag is his last name. I can't remember his first name. And then he also goes through a bunch because he's in the Dark Tower series too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they took us to uh, uh, you know this this uh, building, which was. Um, this kitchen supply, like restaurant supply store called RM flag, which was right up the street from his old like apartment, which is where he got the name, even with the, the two G's and stuff, which was kind of cool. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Rand Randall flag. So Randall RM. flag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we went to this really gorgeous and uh, listen, I'm a stereotypical, you know, you know, want to be goth nerd kids. So like, I love, you know, cemeteries and stuff like that but this really cool uh like i can't remember what they called it but they they called it like a guard i think a garden cemetery so it's a very non-traditional it's not like the just flat plots they build up the dirt like around the gravestones to make it look like they're their own individual little gardens and it's like apparently a nightmare to keep up so they don't do it anymore but there's like all over these really steep hills um in these uh in, in this graveyard, there's just there's grave markers, big ones, little ones all over these really steep hills. It was just so different than any, you know, graveyard I've, I've ever seen in in the Midwest. Um, but they took us to the spot, a couple of filming spots from Pet Cemetery uh, oh, cool. w- w- that were very recognizable. And, and, you know, I was like, that was where the camera is. So, like, imagine it from this. And we're like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's right where it was. And that was like when Stephen King was playing the priest in pet cemetery, you know, when they're at the funeral and like you, we were kind of standing in that, in that spot. Um, he took us to a couple of places where, as you might imagine, a lot of Stephen King, you know, tourism happens. And, uh, one thing that was really cool, you know, Stephen, uh, King, uh, used to walk like four, seven, 10 miles a day. He used to go on these crazy yeah. long walks and it would a lot of times be the exact same, uh, 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 route that he would walk. And so you would see his inspiration for various things on these walks. Like one of them was a, a gravestone in the cemetery that, you know, was from uh, the 1700s or something. And apparently back then when, you know, a lot of times now, if you see like the grave marker of a, of a child that had died, it's like an angel or something like a cherub or something like that. Mm-hmm. But apparently back then it was really common to put like a lamb or even like a, um, a lamb, like a slaughtered lamb, like yeah. with its like arms or with its like legs removed and stuff. And so there's this little grave marker. And of course there were like a million pennies all over it because of the, the, you know, people, you know, tourists that had come, but there was this small little, uh, grave marker with a picture of a lamb with no legs, uh, that just said Georgie on it, oh, which was, geez. which was really cool. Um, you know, obviously incredibly somber, but very cool. Um, and then they took it, he took it to, you know, the gravestone that says like Carrie in big letters on it. Uh, Mm. you know, so they were like, uh, I think, you know, some of these, you wonder if it's speculation as to whether or not, you know, he got it from there. It leaked into his subconscious, but the Georgie one was pretty, was pretty cool. Uh, we, they, we went, you know, to the place where they filmed, uh, a lot of the scenes from, uh uh not skeleton crew graveyard shift if you've seen mm-hmm. graveyard shift we you know with the big rats and all that shit yeah, yeah, um, yeah. was kind of cool like i said we had the radio station i uh i experienced my first moxie 
which is a <laughs> soda that I only knew from uh, uh, Mark Sommers talking about it on uh, Unwrapped in like the early 2000s. Uh, sure. But it's it's mentioned in a lot of King books. It's a regional soda. I think it's made by like Coke now. Um, but it's fucking disgusting. It's like it, it's like the Malort of soda. You know what I mean? It's like it just tastes like I can only describe it as it tastes like if you took Dr. Pepper, made it more sweet less carbonated and then just melted like a handful of ricolas into it like yeah, that's what it tasted uh, like yeah so you can actually get moxie at uh market district oh no shit in, really and yeah in robinson so i've had it and i agree like i would never say hey pass me a cool moxie <laughs> like it's not reflect ref- i don't i don't know what the history of this soda is but it for sure at one point was sold either as a tonic or an elixir yes off the cart driven by some slime bag exactly like it is it is it's some it sort started of as a medicinal elixir yeah 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 that was yeah. supposed to cure like stomach problems and nausea and indigestion and and right you know god knows what else right so yeah. it very much started that way. Um, yeah. Same thing as Coke, you know. Um, right. So, but Coke yeah. started with cocaine in it. So that's yeah, why it, had it an made active you feel ingredient. good. Right, right. Yeah. Moxie just had gross herbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Moxie was like ground up leaves off the ground. Yeah. And they said, oh, oh, that's good for you, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, I think my brother described it as, it's Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper mixed with a camel crush. Oh God! <laughs> like it because it has this like menthol-y kind of thing to it. Um, but, it's veterinarian uh, pepper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yucky. It's yucky. But yeah, of course the 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 um, you know the uh, the bus had a bunch of like you know Stephen King. Like there was a little. I'll, I'll post a picture. There was a little Pennywise like popping up from the back of the bus and stuff. It was kind of fun. Um, we went to a uh uh. uh Dissards, I think you say it is Dysarts. I think it's actually Dysarts restaurant, um, which is a small little regional chain, which I think only a few locations are still around. And they are little gas stations slash diners. And they were the inspiration for trucks, which was, of course, then oh, okay. turned into um, uh, 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 maximum overdrive. Like I said, we went to the, uh, the, the gorgeous, you know, uh, library and, and banger, you know, we, uh, we went to, um, uh, the place where I'm, I'm going to forget his name, but the place in downtown banger where, you know, in the, in, I think it's, is it it chapter two, I believe it is where, um, the gay kid is attacked by the like shitty, uh, homophobic street toughs. Um, I don't mm. know if that's it or it chapter two. Um, but that apparently was based on a true story. Um, oh, okay. a, a, a local guy who's, who's, you know, in the sixties, you know, gay kid in the sixties was thrown off a bridge into like six inches of water by a bunch of like fucking assholes. And he died. And to this day, they still like, um, celebrated every year you know this guy because it, it was like that's why maine and and frankly some of you know a lot of new england vermont connecticut and stuff are a lot more progressive in terms of 
um, gay rights and stuff like that than a lot mm. of other areas, you know, because people talk about Maine as being like the West Virginia of New England. You know, it's like really rural, really, you know, what you'd yeah. expect to to not be particularly uh, progressive in that sense. And Maine, for the most part, at least of what I experienced of it, very was very much was. Um, and I think they, they credit a lot of that to, you know, obviously uh, this horrible tragedy and then, you know, the way the community kind of rallied around it to like raise, uh, awareness and have that discussion about, um, you know, uh, uh you know, queer rights in the fucking 1960s, which no one was right. having certainly in rural America. Um, yeah, we saw some like cool, uh, uh, you know, spots where it's like, a lot of deduction happening by like hardcore King fans to say like, okay, so we know this street was named after this street and this street was named after this street. Um, and so we know that this apartment complex was actually where this character lived. You know what I mean? So there was a uh, lot of that, um, <laughs> which was kind of cool though, to like right. put a, put a place to the, to the name. Um, of course we went to, uh, saw the big lumberjack, um, mm -hmm. the Paul Bunyan, yeah, yeah. Um, statue, which was really cool. Uh, we went to the big uh, 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 water tower thing that that like Pennywise in and like rolls down the hill and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. and it, we went there, um, you know, saw some some places, you know, where Stephen King, you know, there's a lot of like that bench is where he wrote Cujo, you know what I mean? Kind of stuff, <laughs> which is fun. You know what I mean? Um, and then, of course, I think I posted this already. We went to you know, again, this was kind of one of those deduction things where it's like, okay, it happened on this street, um, you know, which is adjacent to this street. Cause you know, for the most part, he's pretty descriptive in some of those locations in and around like dairy in it. Um, you know, there was the, the, the storm drain that supposedly Georgie first meets Pennywise. Um, and of course to be, you know, a smart ass, the guy pulls out like a little arm and a little Pennywise uh, 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 mask and like puts it out of the storm drain. <laughs> so we all go up and I'm, I'm a sucker for taking corny pictures like that. So, yeah. And then we and then we went to went to Stephen King's house, you know, where his former residence that's now a there's two houses nearby that he like renovated and turned one into like a, a writer's retreat. And then the other one is going to be like, I, I guess, a some literary archive. But um he, he, you know, no longer spends, you know, any significant amount of time there, but it was really cool. You know, there was like, a, mm -hmm. you know, he's got the creepy gate and, uh, you know, there was apparently a giant oak tree that had, uh, been cut down years and years ago, right in the front yard. And he hired this like, you know, amazing chainsaw artist to come and do this like statue of a bunch of like, you know, references to his novels and stuff for like people. Oh, sick. So even when we were there with this bus full of like, you know, like I said, 12 or 14 people out there taking pictures, even we were only there for probably 15 minutes, um, you know, just standing outside the gate taking pictures and stuff. And there was probably eight or 10 other cars that pulled up in that time to do the same thing. So it's like a mm -hmm. big tourist um, location. People take that kind of pilgrimage. But yeah, overall, it was really cool. I, uh, you know, couldn't help but uh, buy myself a little... Uh, um, uh, a room key tag from the Overlook Hotel, you know, to use as a keychain, yeah. and you know that's you know there's a lot of little tchotchkes and things that you could you could buy and all that stuff. So it was it was really fun, and like I said, even if some of it is like 
wishful thinking by hardcore fans of like, this is where that happened in the Stephen King universe. It was just cool to put a place or, uh, you know, to, to some of the stories and, you know, being a fan of his work, it's like, it's banger is very much what you expect. You know, it's yeah. a, uh, it, it feels like what you would expect dairy, uh, uh, or, or even, you know, castle rock to be. It's like this working class, uh, you know, fairly, you know, small town in an extremely rural like it's a it is a huge city by maine standards you know it's like the third largest city in maine but there is no large cities in maine you know what i mean so like it feels like a tiny little town but it's like this is might as well be the metropolis for you know 90 percent of the people who live in this extremely rural you know large state so um it felt like that it felt very isolated it felt very like kind of trapped in time and it was, I don't mm-hmm. know, it was just a cool, cool experience. Yeah, that sounds cool. I mean, yeah. I, I, I would like to just go up into the new England area in general. Mm-hmm. I get some seafoods. Yeah, you definitely, uh, they're big on the lobster up there. Mm-hmm. I would say so much so that it's annoying. <laughs> like lobs. That, so the reason we went up there was, was me uh, you know, uh, my wife and two kids, my brother, his wife and, and their baby. And then my parents is because it's my uh, 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 we planned it last year. We ended up taking the trip this year for a variety of reasons. But um, it's my parents 40th wedding anniversary. Oh, OK. Uh, so we wanted to go up, you know, and, and my parents, yeah. uh, my mom always wanted to go to Maine and all that stuff. So um, we went up and of course we did the touristy things, you know, we did some really cool things. We took a, you know, ferry over to this like Island and, you know, we went and, you know, had a lobster roll and all the things you would expect. <laughs> did Here's you go and I- see the lighthouses? Oh, we you- <laughs> saw some dang old lighthouses. We stayed near right near Acadia. So we did a lot of hiking and stuff, which was really fun, mm-hmm. but lobster and, sp- and spelled phonetically like that. Lobster. 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 <laughs> is the y'all of Maine. <laughs> like my brother lives in Nashville and you can get every annoying, you know, white crew neck shirt with a black script that just says, you know, blessed y'all or whatever bullshit. Right. Every fucking touristy little gift shop in Nashville. <gasps> oh, wait, wait, hold on. Is there any merchandise that you found that says, Live, laugh, lobster. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I did not see it mostly because I was sick as a dog and like during the shopping trips in Bar Harbor and stuff. Bahaba, um, um, and and the people we rented a you know a house on Verbo, and the owners were from there, like born and raised in Bahaba, yeah. and uh, and they they uh, like it couldn't have been more like that. That's how she said it, um, but. Uh, I'm sure if there was, if there wasn't, if I didn't see it, I'm sure it was there. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Uh, okay. Live, lap lobster. But um, holy shit, it is, uh, lobster is annoying. And even, even the guy uh, that, um, uh, the, the blueberries are legit though. Everything blueberry right. flavor up there is fucking fantastic. Yeah. The blueberries are so good. But like, if I had never ate another lobster again, <laughs> I'm all right. Lob- <laughs> it's not that good. I'll be honest with you. Like, <laughs> Much prefer crab, you know, um, 
I don't know. It's just it's it's kind of a it feels a little tourist trappy. Like yeah, sure. Even like we got in the 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 bus, you know, to go on this tour, and the guy's like, you know, born and raised in in Bangor. He's like, if I ever eat another fucking lobster again, it'll be too soon. Like it's just it's you know, it's just a big ass uh fucking sea bug. It's not. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, and and they uh they just fucking steam them up there, so it's not like it's you know, adding a lot of flavor to it, you know. No, you just steam it. You a little butter, a little uh, lemon. Yeah, all right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I could probably do without ever eating another lobster in my life, but we had a lot of fun. So, um, anyway, um, yeah, all right. So once again, guys, uh, go out there and and get ready for our September showdown episode. If you want to watch the films we're going to discuss ahead of time, um, so you can uh, kind of experience it along with us. Uh, yeah we're going to have shocker which uh matt uh from came with the boys podcast is going to be uh defending shocker uh from 1989 steve's going to be talking about opera dario argento from 1987 and then your boy is going to be talking about pieces from 1982 so getting into some slasher business for for the spooky season guys Mm -hmm. um and as always Go ahead and, you know, rate us on them social medias. I'm sorry, on those uh, podcast apps uh, or, you know, reach out to us on the social medias and give us some suggestions. Follow us for some spooky shit over there. Um, If you do end up reviewing us, uh, I got some more stickers. So send them our way. Uh, Send us your, your, uh, uh, you know, screenshot it or whatever. I believe you just send us a little note on the social medias and say, hey, I reviewed you on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. And here's my address. And I'll send you some dang old stickers in the mail. Yeah. Um, so, and if you, if I owe you some stickers, uh, you probably already got them because uh, it's uh, been a couple weeks ago, but I mailed out a whole shitload of them. But if you don't have some and I owe you some stickers and I forgot about you, I apologize. Send us another note and I'll, I'll get some in the mail for you because I, I replenish the stickies. Um, all right. Anything else? Yeah. M-O-O-N. That spells lobster. <laughs> guys live laugh lobster you guys uh join us next week uh as we do a little showdown business for the halloween's forever crew i'm brian i'm steve see you next time bye bye